Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Dropped him for cycling back for Wheeler. Shot. He scores. Oh, a thing of beauty. Patrick Laine has goal number five. Hit for Kyle Connor. Kovac scores. That was beautiful. Get it in queue for the highlight reel. Ground control. The official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Welcome to another edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, a special edition of this as we bring in uh, Paul Edmonds from TSN, Tyler Esquivel, and of course Mitchell Clinton from Jets TV. Uh, Paul, uh, welcome to the show, I guess as we put it. And I'm going to start with you first because we haven't heard your voice in a long time on this uh, edition. Andrew Kopp was available to the media yesterday. What have you thought of his uh, season so far, an aspect of a career numbers, uh, more ice time, more responsibility, and all that? Well, I thought that Andrew had been trending in this direction for the last couple of years. I think once you have the basis down of a guy that's come in and, and wanted to secure a spot, that's what he needed to do, number one, and learn how to play the defensive side of the game, and he was really adept at that from, from day one. And so once you master that, now you can start to grow your game offensively. And I think that he's done that. He had a career high in goals last year at 11. This year he had 10 before the, the pause. And I think was trending in the right direction for a career high both in goals and in points. So I'm not surprised by the additional ice time. He certainly had a more relevant responsibility up in the top six this year to center a line as well. I mean, injuries created that, but also created the opportunity for him. So is Andrew Kopp going to be a second line center? I don't know, but I don't think that you could hold him back and say that there's not a chance of him doing that at some point within the organization. He's given the opportunity by Paul Maurice. He's seized it in a lot of respects. I think he's talked about growing his offensive game. It's something that he's worked on in the last couple of off seasons. So given the fact that he's mid twenties, there's still, I think the, the sky is the ceiling for him really is there's no ceiling whatsoever when it comes to the impact that he can make in his game. So very, I think great things can be expected of, of him to grow his game a little bit more, but I'm not surprised the way he has been trending Jamie in terms of his impact to the top nine for sure of the Winnipeg Jets and the way he's moved into that spot in the last couple of years, particularly this season. Mitch, we've consistently heard Andrew say he does like playing center over top of the wing and just Paul touched on it. There's a possibility one day he could be the second line center for the Winnipeg Jets. Do you like him more as a center or more as a winger? Ooh, a spicy question for me to get this one off. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I think he's he's his versatility is probably one of his best assets and it's not it's not rare that you'll see him go on the ice to take some real important faceoffs. Uh he's a guy whose faceoff numbers have kind of hovered in and around the the team lead for a while and I think that makes him pretty valuable plus one of the things that always stands out to me about Andrew Kopp from the the words of Paul Maurice is just how little video you need to show him how well he understands the defensive game and I think that's a real huge asset when you're uh, a center so yes that's his preferred spot he he's said numerous times he'll he'll play wing if that gives him the best chance to win um, but I think you know him being a center is ultimately probably where he'll end up 
Um, mostly because number one, like he can also, he's good in the draws. Number two, good defensively. But number three, he can also make the defensive play when it needs to be made, whether it's uh, physically forcing a turnover or just making the read and getting that stick into, into the lane like he does so many times on the penalty kill. So um, ultimately, he's fantastic at both positions and, as we've said, continues to grow. But um, I think center might be where he ends up, but we'll see. One of the things that uh, Andrew brought up yesterday or was asked about, actually, was the departure of assistant coach Todd Woodcroft, who's taken the head coaching job at the University of Vermont. Uh, Tyler, is pretty neat to hear a player uh, reference what Todd Woodcroft meant to him as a player and as a person in talking with I'm talking about Andrew. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at, at the end of the day, as somebody and, and all of us have you know, watch Todd uh, work on the ice after practice and and put in that time with the players that you know don't typically get to see that much game time ice. And it's it's not surprising to to hear Andrew's words about Todd. Todd was you know a, a fantastic teacher of the game. Uh, we've all been privy to some of his knowledge. He's just very forthcoming with things. And uh, just a, a quick Google search at uh, on Todd Woodcroft. You know, this is a guy who's really grown in the game of hockey he started in I believe it was 2000 2001 he was the video coach for the Minnesota Wild and spent a good number of years there went to the Washington Capitals uh, spent a year over in Russia as an assistant general manager for Dynamo Minsk and uh, you know has just has grown and and reached uh, the pinnacle of, of coaching in the NHL but at the end of the day I think a lot of these coaches you know they want to they want to run a bench they want to be a head coach and and the opportunity that he was given uh, at the University of Vermont is is fantastic to see and it, it's a great stepping stone to see to, to you never know he he very well could become a head coach in the NHL one day he's he's a name to watch for sure and it's great to it's just great to see him uh, get the opportunity and and hopefully uh, can improve upon the two wins that that hockey club had last year I I have no doubt that uh, he'll have a positive impact there. Paula, because uh, we at Jets TV kind of split up the road trips, we uh, don't get to go to every single road game. You're around uh, Woodcroft all the time. What what do you take away from his four years here with the Winnipeg Jets, and what are you going to miss the most about Woody? Well, I would echo a lot of what Tyler had to say about him. I really marveled both on and off the ice regarding Todd at, at the, the man and the coach. Number one, the skill work that he was able to do both before practice and after practice for players. And then that included morning skates as well. The face-off work, dropping pucks for the three or four centermen if they wanted some extra work. And if you've ever dropped the puck or stood there and dropped 20 or 50 pucks, your back gets a little bit sore, almost like teaching one of your kids learn to skate, right? You're kind of <laughs> hunched over. But the props that he used, the things that he did, and I never – and I don't know that we can say this about too many people in our lives. I never heard one bad word about talk from anybody. He always had a smile on his face. He was always ready to go. He was, I think, a real student of the game. And that came through as well. He could talk about the game. He was lapping up all the information. He then could process it and then move it into isolated areas with the players that he worked with. Uh, he was certainly a great eye in the sky and then down onto the bench uh, for two periods and then into the third. And he kind of moved into that role. Uh, he did a lot of things and worked very hard. I mean, that's a thing that people don't really understand or, or acknowledge because they don't see it is how hard and how many hours the coaching staff puts in 
Todd also on a personal level got involved with my kids and did some work with them and their teams over the last several years. And he was always willing to volunteer to come out and run a practice. And the coaching staffs of the, the various teams that my kids have played on really appreciated that. So he extended his knowledge beyond just the hockey circles of the NHL in our market. He extended that into the fan base and the participation of people in our market as well. And so I have nothing but great things to say about Todd. I wish him all the best. I sent him a text. I, it was heartfelt. I got one back from him, as you might expect, saying that he really appreciated all the people that really reached out to him. And I'm sure he was inundated with text when the announcement was made. But this is a great opportunity for him. You know, at the University of Vermont, he gets a chance to take over this program that's struggling, I guess is a, is a fair word. But you get to build everything. You're going to recruit, coach, manage personalities, all of it. And when it becomes successful, you really have your fingerprints all over it. I think Todd's ready for this opportunity at 47 years old. I think he's ready to reunite with his family full-time in one area. That was the tough thing for him. His, his wife and, and boy were living down in the Twin Cities. And while it's only a 50-minute plane ride or a seven-hour vehicle ride, it is – long distance relationship living and he was living in Winnipeg and, and moving around. So I think this gives him an opportunity to settle in one place as well. Great opportunity for him. Who knows where the future is for him, but I suggest, or I would suggest and submit to anybody that if you're taking this job at the university of Vermont, you're in for the long haul. I just hope to run into Todd once again at some point, because not only was a great hockey coach, he was a great human being. Yeah, Todd's other two other brothers also coaching right now in the respected areas across the country or across the world for that matter. Uh, Paul, you weren't with us on Friday for our hot stove uh, on Jets TV, so I'll get you this opportunity as well. Dustin Bufflin also ending his relationship with the Winnipeg Jets. So many ways we can go here, and we I, there's not a lot of things that hasn't been talked about. But uh, your quick thought on on Dustin Bufflin before we get into our Eric Comrie chat. Well, I think this is a good opportunity for both the Winnipeg Jets organization and for Dustin Bufflin and his family to move on. You know, they're going to get now settled back in the Twin Cities. Dustin, he gave everything every time that he, he took to the ice. I mean, he wanted to play 27, 28, 29 minutes. Would get upset when he wasn't in those high-profile situations, when the game was on the line. And not only could Dustin control a game, but he could take over a game when he wanted to. There was nobody like him in the National Hockey League. There might never be anybody like him in the National Hockey League again. The unicorn comes to mind, or as Blake Wheeler would call him, one of one. But he was great as a player. Everybody loved him. Such an infectious sort of personality on the ice. A little aloof away from the game and, and certainly with the media, but that's understood. Not everybody has to really put their time in when guys are asking questions or people are asking questions. But I just admire the, the 500 games played in this market for the Winnipeg Jets. I think a lot of people did. I'm glad that the situation has come to some resolve and some closure because everybody moves on for it. It will benefit the Winnipeg Jets organization to free up some cap space. And then it also doesn't hang over the head of Dustin Bufflin and what's going on. You've made enough money. You've won a Stanley Cup. You're 35 years old. You've got three young kids at home. You know, you've had some injuries in the last couple of years, only 42 games played in regular season played the last two seasons, his heart wasn't in it. And I can't, I can't get critical for a guy that, that makes that decision and then moves away from the game when he chooses to make that move. 
Uh, you talk about somebody unique and a very nice personality. Uh, Eric Comrie is one of the good guys in, in sports, and especially within the Winnipeg Jets organization. Uh, what a strange year it was for him. Uh, went on waivers, picked up by the Red Wings, and had the unique position of coming back to Bell MTS Place to play against the same team that he was with in the organization so many years. Eric Comrie, our guest here on the podcast, and he starts off by who was chirping at him the most in that matchup between the Red Wings and the Winnipeg Jets at Bell MTS Place. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Andrew Kopp, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Eric, going back to that game when you played against the Jets for the first time, and who was talking to the most? Were they trying to get it in your head, or were they just joking with you for the most part? Uh, I mean, I think Shice was talking to them a lot. I mean, a bunch of different guys, Laos and different guys on the team were all saying, uh, depends on, like, different things. Like, I stopped Shice a couple of times, he's going, oh, nice save, you let that in, and Laos was scored on me, so he's giving me a little bit of uh, grief for that, and just different guys saying different things. It still depends on the moment, but I'm all trying to stay focused and do my thing. So it, it was quite funny, but also uh, a moment I won't forget. Uh, what were your Red Wing teammates uh, talking to you about beforehand? They must have known the mixed emotions you had going into that building. Yeah, I think they just kind of let me do my thing. I mean, um, they knew that I was getting ready to play a hockey game. So, was, and for them, it was any other hockey game. It wasn't any different for them. So it was, it was business as usual for them. And uh, I think they understood that I was getting ready to play a game and doesn't matter what was going to happen. I was just going to do my thing out there and do the best I could. I, I know the, the Red Wings are in hard times right now, but how neat was that to, to join an organization that's had so much success and has such a great history in years past? It was awesome. I mean, they, they, you can tell the tradition they have and the facilities they have there are top-notch, incredible. The, the staff they have there is fantastic, and uh, they're building towards a bright future. And it was an awesome time being part of it. And I'm excited to see where they're going. Uh, Wade Flaherty is clearly a big part of your life and has been for quite some time. Same with Rick St. Croix. Can you talk about what they've meant to you as a player and a person? Yeah, Flats and Rick are both great. I mean, they're both so knowledgeable of the game. They have great understanding of uh, the position of goaltending and how to help uh, prospects and uh, established NHL players get better. It doesn't matter who you are. They always have something they can help you with. I mean, Rick St. Croix has been around the game for I mean, a crazy forever. night here. He's been there forever. I mean, and uh, yeah, and he's been—he's unbelievable. He's been awesome. I mean, I've been with him since my first year pro, and he's just the amount of knowledge I've gotten from him is uh, pretty unbelievable. And Flats is—I uh, mean, he's an excellent goalie coach. Knows so much about the technical game. Um, he's just pretty—I mean, he's pretty recently out of the game of hockey. Not very mm-hmm. long was long ago was he playing for the Manitoba Moose, and he's so—he comes with a bunch of knowledge and a bunch of understanding of the. Uh, the modern game as well. So it's pretty exciting to have those two as a combination of goalie coaches for the organization. What What's the biggest difference in their coaching styles? You know what? I think it's, it's not too different. I mean, I think they're pretty similar. I think because they run on a pretty um, uh, similar platform. They understand, right. they communicate, they understand what they want to do together. But I think, uh, I think they both have their individual way of saying things and they're both great in their own way. And I've uh, been lucky enough to work with, uh, I just got to know, does Rick St. Croix ever get mad? 
No, I don't think so. I think he's just the happiest guy of all time, and he's always laughing and joking. I think, uh, I think that's great. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I've never really seen Flax in that either. So I think yeah, right. Pretty, uh, pretty happy guys. I think that's just a goalie thing. I've, have you ever seen any of our goalies too angry before? I mean, I think we're pretty happy people. Yeah, no kidding. Here's the next question. I've asked Lauren Bussois this question. Like, goaltenders are known as being weird. And yeah. is, there, is there someone that's – do you take offense to that statement? No, I think we're all a little weird. I think uh, LB, myself, Helly, even Birdie, we're all we're all a little bit strange in our own way. I think that's what makes us a goalie. I think that makes us uh, unique and want to stand in front of uh, people shooting 105 miles an hour. Yeah, no question. Do you look crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Do do goalies think like defensemen and forwards are weird? You know those egg commercials are like, no, I'm not weird. You're weird. Is that how goaltenders feel uh, about 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 players? Yeah, I, I think they're a little strange, but I don't know if they're strange enough. I think. I mean, at the end of the day, we're we're the ones taking getting shot on all practice long, and they're trying to score goals and have fun, and we're trying to we're the ones everyone's like, ah, oh, they're standing in front of them getting shot at. So I mean, it's it's different. <laughs> um, Mikael Burton, of course, has been a teammate for you of yours for the past couple of years. Uh, great personality. Again, this is from an outsider's perspective, but what's he like as a teammate? He's been great. I mean, he's. Uh, He's an awesome, he's a good friend of mine. He's doing, he's been an amazing goalie here for a little while. For the last, I think, two years now, I've worked with him, and he's been fantastic. He's been uh, getting better and better every single year, and uh, hopefully we'll see him keep getting better. I don't know what's going to come, but I think he's an excellent, excellent goalie. What's the, what was the language barrier like at first when you you uh, first met him and, and as the year wow. went on? First time I met him, when he first yeah. came to camp, there was yeah. no language at all. We would explain it and talk to him. And now he's, he's fluent. He understands everything now. He's, he talks to everything. That's hilarious. Yeah, and then just like his interviews, do you, and you must the, the team must get some good laughs out of his interviews, I imagine. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a character for sure. I mean, uh, he's definitely got some funny things to say. It's, it's, it's funny every time you hear, you hear talk or something like that. There's definitely – I mean, there's still a little bit of a barrier there, which makes it a little funny. What about Chibasov? I remember in training camp this year, Dmitry Kulikov and I talked, and he goes, Chibasov understands more, like, the English a lot more than people think he does. Is that a true assessment? Is that a fair assessment? I think that's true with a lot of uh, Russians who think that they, uh, <laughs> they, they, I think they think of, I think they like to think that they don't understand, but they really do understand more than we think they do. So they kind of secretly listen in our conversation. They, and they probably start talking Russian and make a little bit of fun of us. <laughs> that, that's the best part. You're always going like that. The way that uh, Kulikov or Cooley said that to me is like, he understands way more. Cause you know, there's that whole concern <laughs> about the, the language barrier and he quickly, he cuts yeah, it yeah. off right away. He says he understands way more than you guys think he does. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Tibby's was awesome. He, by the way, he was a great, Great guy, extremely hardworking man, like extremely hardworking. I've never seen a guy push himself in the gym that hard. It was, it was great to watch him. Going back to when you were picked back up by the Jets, what was it like seeing Pascal Vincent and and the entire coaching staff and all and all your former teammates again? It was great. I mean, it was like I said many times. It was like coming home. It felt like I was just back home to a place that I had familiarity with, and uh, I had a great repertoire of the the coaches and everyone there, all the teammates, and uh, they feel like a family. I mean, it's, it's funny to say, because you always say, hey, hockey teams are like a family, but when I'm with the Manitoba Moose and the Winnipeg Jets, it really truly does feel like I'm part of a family and part of something bigger than just a team, and it's uh, 
it was great to be back and see everybody. And I've, I miss those guys. It was funny to say, but I miss those guys. And I'm so happy to be back with them. I, you know, in the short time I've got to know Pascal Vincent, he, you know, Paz has got that little smirk on his face. Was that the first thing you saw when you walked into his office after you came back? Oh, for sure. I mean, he's uh He's an excellent coach and an excellent human being. It's it, it's great to see a coach who's not only unbelievable in hockey mind, but also cares so much about his um his players and um respects the um uh, respects them as human beings as well, not just as hockey players. I was talking to Jimmy Roy in uh Belleville this year for the rookie tournament and he was, we were talking your name came up and he says, Let me tell you a little something about Eric Comrie. All that guy does is drink water. He doesn't drink coffee, he doesn't drink juice, <laughs> doesn't drink sports drinks. Just water. And I thought that was such an odd thing to bring up, but it was, uh, and I've always wanted to ask you about it. So here, is it true, A, that you always it drink is. water, and B, how do you stick to that when there's so many other options around you? And, like, literally everybody, it seems like, drinks coffee. I know, I know. I, the, the coffee one, maybe you can understand if you have to know me a little more. I'd be a little bit too amped up if I drank coffee, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm pretty energetic. Yes, I think guys would get a little bit sick of me, a little sick of me if I had coffee. To start. Like, okay, get this guy off the coffee now. But um, uh, I don't know. I just never had an urge to. Water is all I've ever wanted, and that's pretty much it. And yeah, and Jimmy's <laughs> a character, isn't he too? By the way, that's a whole different story, though. Uh, yeah, we, we'll get into that another time, Eric. And, <laughs> that's another hour conversation, if you want yeah, to that right. one. Uh, yeah, is, has, <laughs> yeah. Anyone, has anyone ever tried to slip something else in your water bottle just so you drink something else besides water? No, no one actually has, no. I've, they've joked about it. They said that it might, but no one's ever done that. I think uh, I think people have been pretty nice to me like that. I mean, it's not like it's, it's craziness. I'm like, I'm not going to go crazy over it, but maybe that's just one of those Weird goalie things, I guess, right? Yeah, no question. And here's another thing. <laughs> yeah. you, are, you, you are known as such a nice guy. Do people think or take it as you can't be this nice? I don't know. I'm pretty um, – I think I get that from my mom. She's really positive and nice all the time, and I, mm-hmm. I get that from her. So I'm pretty positive and happy and trying to be nice and trying to see the good in things. So I don't know. I, I think that's a good way to be. I'm, I'm really fortunate to – you that way. I know a lot of people are, aren't that way. It just comes naturally to me. Um, and I just try and stay positive and look to the good in life always. I mean, it's, for me, it comes a little bit easier than others, I would say. <laughs> Speaking of, of your parents, talk about the way they raised you and, and, and the you know you coming up as a goaltender in professional hockey. What different roles did your mom and dad play in your becoming a professional hockey player? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate. Well, I mean, I became a goalie because of my brothers. I mean, I have two older brothers and yeah. both fortunate enough to play in the NHL and be around them. And I, when I was old enough to stick me in net, they kind of stuck me in net and started shooting <laughs> pucks at me. So I was like, oh, he's going to be a goalie. And then every time I didn't play goalie, I was I was wearing a Scott Stevens jersey blocking shots. They said, this guy's a goalie. I mean, it doesn't matter right. what we can do. He's going to be a goalie. So that's, a, that's quite the funny story how I became a goalie with them. And then, I mean, I was fortunate to see them growing up and how much hard work. I mean, even for my dad, my dad worked extremely hard to get where he was in life. And yeah, for myself, I was very fortunate enough to be able to see the hard work he went through every single day. And um, my, even my brothers, how hard they worked. They worked out so hard. I was allowed to go around NHL locker rooms at a very young age and see what it's like to be a pro hockey player. And that was that was the life I wanted to, to, to achieve. And, and I think I was very fortunate to have my dad and brothers 
do everything I could possible to help get me there, whether it was taking me to early practices, um, helping me work out if I had to get to a workout, always be willing to drive me to any practice or game. My mom and dad were always great about that. My mom would cook me healthy meals and my and bring me to practice as well. My dad was an awesome. He coached me a lot of time growing up and he was he's one of the biggest influences in why I even became a hockey player and I, there's definitely there's hundred percent no chance that I would become a pro hockey player without the support group I have back home in my family. No chance. Uh, I, I love any stories that brothers tell because I had a brother and I realized the damage that we did in our house growing up. Uh, how <laughs> just, how destroyed was your house? And there was a big age gap between my brother and I. So let's go first to the question: How bad was it, did your house look at, as you guys were growing up? It wasn't too bad. I think we we did a pretty good job of cleaning up. But I have a younger brother too, who I'm super close with, and we actually played in the same junior team together in Tri City. He was an excellent hockey player as well. Uh-huh. Um, and he, so it was kind of fun growing up with him. He was he was a forward, and I was you know, I had only one goalie per family. My dad said so that was the only goalie <laughs> in the family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he wa- he wanted to be a goalie one day, so my dad said okay. He brought him to the brought him to practice and said put the old guys in shoes as hard as they could, as high as they could. And he didn't want to be a goalie anymore after that, so <laughs> it was just me. <laughs> and um, he, uh, I mean, it was awesome. We had so much fun growing up playing mini sticks or hockey, uh, street hockey, stuff like that. We always had so much fun. My dad always get an outdoor rink going in Edmonton, and we play out there. It was just different things like that. It was so much fun, and it was always someone was always very angry after he got done playing, and someone was always very happy. <laughs> That's the way it went. That's the that's the beauty of sports, no matter what level, isn't it, Eric? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's still to this day. One team's really happy. One team's not so happy. Uh, older, when there's a big age gap between older brothers and the younger ones, how hard were they on you guys as the younger ones? You know what? They were always great. It's it's funny to say, but I mean, they're always great. I mean, we're we're so close. Our our family is so close. It's 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 hard to describe how close we are because it's hard to understand that how much we truly love each other and how much we mm. truly hang out. Like, I mean, just yesterday, it's weird to say, I mean, keep in mind, we're all wearing gloves and face masks in this time of uh, weirdness, yeah. but, um, cause it's, I mean, we're trying to say, if we say we could, but we're all playing a little bit of tennis just to get outside to be together as a family and being apart from each other the best we could, but we had to hang out because we have to be together. We can't be separated this long. It doesn't feel right to us. I mean, we just want to be together. We want to be close. And I think growing up with you in the same way, my brother Paul, brother Mike, my sister Kathy, my um, brother Ty, we were so close. I mean, just every single day we spend as much of time as we could together. And I think it's it's just something I will always look for, look to and cherish my whole life, and how close our family were. Uh, well, how does Kathy fit into the, the sporting uh, hierarchy then? Well, she didn't like hockey growing up, but now she has kids that play hockey, so I guess it's kind of a punishment. <laughs> but she's awesome. She's great. I mean, she's got she's got five kids who all of them pretty much play sports, and yeah, and she lives in Edmonton, so she's having fun with them right now. I'll be in homeschool as well. My goodness. Uh, okay, so is there any conversation ever who the best athlete is in the Comrie household? Best athlete, I think the best athlete in the Comrie household is no questions asked my dad. I mean, right. <laughs> uh, for him to keep up with this at this age, he plays double tennis, singles tennis, golf, um, hockey, still, whatever he wants to do, he's still the best one of the family at it, and he's the oldest one. So I think there's no questions asked. Number one athlete, Bill Comrie. 
<laughs> and I think that's the best way to end this conversation, Eric Comrie. So, <laughs> yes, awesome. Perfect. Appreciate the time, my friend, and stay safe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Many thanks to Eric Comrie for taking the time with us to, to discuss uh, what's going on in the pause for him and a very interesting season, nonetheless, for Eric Comrie. Um, let's get to the 50 Jets Rewards points. Go to JetsRewards.ca. Here's your chance uh, for 50 Jets Rewards points. All you have to do is type in the word overtime. And all of us here, and I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast, would love to see any type of overtime at some point in the National Hockey League uh, as we get through this uh, pause the NHL season. Going to Eric Comrie for a second. Tyler, uh, you worked for the Moose for a bit. Uh, Eric Comrie, a big part of that. And uh, just a, a thought on what a unique season this has been for Eric Comrie. Yeah, I, I mentioned on the podcast last week that, you know, if there was one player in the league and the organization to to go through a season like this and come out of it on the right end, you know, it, it's Eric Comrie. Uh, just obviously, like you said, such a strange year, gets placed on waivers, gets picked up by Arizona when Darcy Kemper went down with an injury and ended up in Tucson and, and, and didn't really get a ton of starts and looks and then gets traded to Detroit. Uh, where they were having some goaltending issues. Uh, and then again, fast forward, plays the Winnipeg Jets. And then a few days or weeks later, he, he ends up back with the Winnipeg Jets via waivers. And just a, a strange, topsy-turvy kind of season. And, you know, he's starting for the Moose again, uh, you know, at the at the season's end, or season's pause, rather. And uh, just, just a great kid, uh, a very technically sound goaltender in my time with the moose uh you know a lot of working out at the iceplex him and rick st croix would be in the be in the iceplex offices breaking down different plays and just just to hear the the nuances and discussing every possible variable and explaining why pucks got past him because the players were doing things wrong not him and and it's and it's the anticipation and 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 all those different things that you know make a good goaltender and eric is somebody who thinks the game and life incredibly uniquely and just really happy that he's back in the organization because you know we get to have him on the podcast and discuss these types of things with him but uh overall just just a great human being uh and you know it's kind of a theme here great human beings todd woodcroft eric comrie just two of the two of the good ones uh, one of the questions I got asked a lot when I was at Sportsnet was, is Gene Principe as nice as he seems to be? And the question uh, or the answer I often had was yes. So, Paul, I ask you, is Eric Comrie as nice as he seems? Uh, absolutely. And only Eric Comrie and his likable personality could absorb what went on in his hockey season this year and come through it with a smile on his face. You know, some guys, most of us, might be a little bit bitter at the business when you're bouncing around like that, but not Eric. <laughs> Eric, actually, the interesting part of it, it was when he was understanding that he wasn't going to stay with the Red Wings and that he was probably going to go back to the minors and the Jets, he was glad that he was coming back to Manitoba to play. He was comfortable here. And I think it says a lot about the organization, top to bottom, the Winnipeg Jets, you know, through the moose and even into Jacksonville, if you will. But Eric has, I think, still a bright future. 24 years old, sometimes goaltenders, it's one of those positions that takes maybe the longest to marinate and mature before you become very adept at it. And I think of Jimmy Howard in Detroit specifically. He had to spend a number of years with Grand Rapids before he was an NHL-ready goaltender. And I think that's possibly where, where Eric Comrie is right now in his career. The other part of it is maybe there's an opportunity for him next season 
Lauren Brossois is on an expiring contract. We don't know what the organization's going to do. You know what Eric Comrie can deliver. Um, he's certainly been very good. His numbers reflect that at the American Hockey League level. He needs some more time, I think, in the National Hockey League. He's played under 10 games. And certainly, I think, would like to have a little bit more success. But it is a, a bit of a different game. And that's where I think maybe a little bit more time at the AHL level might serve him uh, best and for the organization as well. But I wish him all the best. And I think that if you're cheering for one or two players in your life to make that advancement from the minor pro level to major pro and maybe from the AHL more specifically to the NHL, Eric Comrie has to be on that list because he's such a great guy that you want him to get the reward for being that type of person and putting in that perseverance as a player to get to the ultimate league that you want. And, and for him, it would be the National Hockey League. Uh, one of the interesting tidbits that came was brought up actually uh, in, during my chat with Eric Carmer is the fact that he only drinks water. And if you've ever walked into uh, Jets TV's office, you would think all we do is drink coffee. Uh, Eric Carmer chooses the much healthier option with just water. Uh, Mitch, just your dealings with Eric Comrie, uh Looking forward to see what the future holds for him as well. Yeah, of course. And I mean, obviously echo uh, a lot of what was uh, said by Tyler and, and Paul. I mean, he's just a guy that... You know, even if a start maybe didn't go the way that he would have wanted, he's the first guy to, to come out and talk about it, meet the media, and he's not someone that's going to throw his teammates under the bus. He'll uh, talk about maybe some things that, that he could have done better on particular plays. And I think that's just why, I mean, you talk to a number of his teammates. That's another one of the reasons he's such a, you know, such a, a, a personality that everybody kind of really pulls for is that you know he's a he's a team first type of guy and he'll uh he'll talk to anybody about absolutely anything and um I believe he's a huge fantasy football guy as well so uh that obviously uh, a number of players on the Jets roster and the Moose roster are, are into that as well so and he's right in the middle of it so he's a guy that that when he's around uh you love having him there and then I think when he was gone um over the course of Arizona and and Detroit you know, he was a guy that was definitely missed and a lot of the players I, w I would imagine kept in touch with him because he just has that that personality that you want to be around so for him to be able to be back in Winnipeg and and back with the with the organization uh like Paul said I think it's uh it's huge that you know he's he's here and uh can develop uh, within the organization as well well, final thoughts before we leave, gentlemen. Uh, Paul, uh, what have you been up to and what are you working on these days as we figure out what are, how our lives are looking here in the future? Well, you know, gentlemen, I want everybody to be safe and come through this safely and, and with their well-being. But I have, I must confess, enjoyed the slowdown in life. We have three kids. Uh, the sad part is the oldest is graduating this year. It's his graduating year as a senior at Kelvin High School. Won't have a ceremony. Uh, my daughter had his, her 13th birthday on the weekend, a quarantine birthday, you know, and uh, my youngest guy goes from grade six to grade seven. And when my daughter was doing that last year, they had a little ceremony at school. He'll miss that as well. So from that standpoint, a little bit sad uh, with what's going on for the kids. But we have tried to be active. Uh, the weather looks like it's turning here. We've been outside numerous times. We have enough property here where we can kind of get lost on our own property, which is good. Not a lot of people can say that. Um, but whether it's been activities around the home, some chores, clean up, uh, there's been a lot of things that have been crossed off the to-do list, Jamie, I can tell you that, 
over the course yeah. of the last six weeks. I mean, we all want to get back to normal life. And, and for us, we want to get back to hockey and a resumption of that. But I've, I've, I've kind of really enjoyed the slowdown in life here and just maybe taking the uh, step back to kind of smell and, and understand what's really important. And the family's really important. We spend a lot of time watching movies together. We've done puzzles. Um, now the, the after spring break, the homeschooling has kicked in. And I must confess, my wife has done very well at that, although it is very trying to try to organize uh, these kids to their day and Zoom and all the technology that we're doing with virtual learning from school. But I must commend the teachers for the hard work that they've done to put in to all of these assignments to make sure that kids are still learning, still active, using their brains and, and being involved, not just slopping around the house. So we've done a lot of things. Um, but. I think we're kind of ready for at least incrementally to start moving towards some normalcy in life again. Uh, Tyler, you wrote an article on uh, WinnipegJets.com recently about the different ways you can watch the Winnipeg Jets, albeit it is games from the past. Uh, what are we looking forward to? And I'm just jacked about the fact that we can watch the uh, Jets Nashville Predators 2018 playoff series. Yeah, you're bang on there, Jamie. That uh, if there's if there's a set of games to rewatch, I'd say those are. Those are at the top of the list, uh, you know, obviously through through NHL Live on NHL.com, TSN3, our regional broadcaster, as well as Sportsnet, the national broadcaster here in Canada. Uh, they're going to be re-airing a bunch of games uh, that the Winnipeg Jets uh, take part in. So uh, Sportsnet, like you mentioned, is going to re-air all seven games uh, from the Nashville series. Uh, those are on our website, WinnipegJets.com, all the dates there. Um, that runs until May 9th, and uh, as for TSN, they'll be re-airing a bunch of games every Tuesday going forward here until May 26th. Uh, lots of lots of performances from earlier this year, so you have the 51 save performance by Connor Hellebuck, you have Shifley scoring an OT winner against Dallas here in Winnipeg, uh, and then, uh, actually, the Shifley is quite a theme here, uh, also... Uh, his winner, late winner against the Ducks on December 8th. So they're re-airing that. And then obviously NHL Live uh, is continuing um, to re-air a bunch of games as well. You can check all those out at winnipegjets.com. And I believe TSN 1290 is re-airing some games on the radio too, Polly. Yeah, uh, all seven of those games from that Nashville series. Prior to that was the Minnesota series. So it's kind of the theme as you talked about in the 17-18 season. And uh, I believe tonight is game six and coming up Friday on TSN 1290 is game seven from that Nashville series. So probably, I think, unarguably, the finest series ever played by the Winnipeg Jets and the Atlanta Thrashers organization. I hope that at some point there's another series that can add on to that. But for right now, we're pretty happy about being able to deliver that and, and have that recollection and uh, let people get down memory lane, which was not that far ago. But certainly, I think an epic series. We thought it was going to be, and it turned out to be just that for the Winnipeg Jets against Nashville two seasons ago. Yeah, Mitch also wrote an article that featured you, Paulie, about your memories of an epic game. Uh, Mitch, what else are you working on top of what's already been produced? Well, in terms of those games that are being re-aired, I don't know about you guys, but I'll probably skip watching games two, four, and six from that Nashville <laughs> series. I don't think anything really happened in those. Um, but uh, yeah, I... I think I said last week I was working on a piece about uh, Paul Maurice and the conversations he's had with uh, players that have gone on to be coaches. Uh, so that'll be 
kind of appearing on the website uh, a little bit later this week. So looking forward to that one. And then, yeah, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into games uh, three and seven of that Nashville series and uh, just kind of go through uh, some of the some of the memories from it uh, and uh, some interviews that involve uh, some hindsight and, and maybe what you know, people remember from, from those games. So looking forward to putting those, to putting those together, because I mean, for me, it, it, it's totally an excuse to go back and look at highlights from those games and kind of relive how you were feeling. I mean, even, even game one uh, was on not too long ago and I, I forgot the jets were outshot like 49 to 19 or something, but even watching that, it didn't even it didn't even seem like it because a lot of the shots were, were kind of coming from the outside or were kind of like little scrambles in front. So, um, man, it's just a like like we've all said, just a fantastic series. So, um, looking forward to diving into that. All right, gentlemen, great work. Uh, stay safe on behalf of Paul Edmonds, Mitchell Clinton, Tyler Esquivel, and Jamie Thomas. Thanks so much for listening to Ground Control. We'll talk to you next week. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.